You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Amen. Again, just um, thank you, Ben, for leading us this morning and uh, just uh, being willing to to serve in this capacity. And and these indeed are interesting days. And we're going to get into God's Word. We're going to continue in the series that we have been working through. And it's amazing how God's Word adapts to what we are going through, how we can learn lessons and see God's Word come alive. So I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13. John 13, hope you have a pen, hope you have some paper, your journal handy to take down some notes. Take down some references so you can do some study afterwards and and, uh, encourage you to follow along in God's word as we will be looking at John 13 in a few moments. We're in this series leading up to Easter called Gloriously Generous. And we have been looking at this glorious, generous love of God. First of all, a number of weeks ago, we started with the love of God in John 3.16. And then we, we saw how, how our God in his generosity meets us in the storms of life. And then last week, we looked at, again, a God of generosity in in giving us a peace that is out of this world and how we can cling to that peace and his presence even when life throws us into places where we never thought we would be. And now today, we are going to look at the power of the towel. And once again, we will see the greatness, we will see the glory, the generosity of our God. And so we're going to be digging into uh, this passage here in John 13 in a moment. But before I do that, I want to just share a little bit of my heart with you in some areas. You know, it has been my prayer, and it continues to be, and, and, and I don't think it's going to change, that this pandemic crisis that we are facing would serve to be a major reset button in our world, in our nation, But most importantly, I pray for the church of Jesus Christ around this world, here locally and at Hope Kelowna, that that God would do a good work in each one of us, a new work, and and that fear, when, when fear presses in on us, it would be replaced with a genuine um, faith in Jesus Christ and a confidence that he is with us and he will see us through. And, and that we would experience God's provision in our lives and, and, and experience his peace. And as different things unfold in our world and even locally, that we would cling to his word. This pandemic has already changed life on so many fronts and in so many different ways. And, and I'm so thankful that though we can't meet physically on Sunday mornings, we can't meet in our groups and, and our meetings, that we can, can still stay connected virtually and, and, and um, through a means like this here on a Sunday morning. We can gather together as one body and still worship the Lord together. And what a great thing to do. Um, this past week, I was on many Zoom or video conferencing calls and, and it was so kind of amazing and wonderful and strange and funny to be able to pray, to check in, to plan. And for instance, th- this service was planned um, through our, our um, online conferencing, through video conferencing. Just take a look at this picture. This was planning out our service. I think this was Wednesday or Thursday of this week. And, and you can tell I must have been speaking because just look at, I mean, Dwayne's looking out the window. Um, poor Chrissy and Elaine are, 
are, are looking at other things, and Brett just is like, really, really? You keep talking, you keep, I, at least I'm, I'm trying to figure out what they're saying, and, um, and, and so we were able to plan this service in, in that way. Then, then Thursday, we had an online prayer meeting, and that was really neat to connect. I believe that there were over 35 of us that joined, and, and we're going to do another one this next week on Thursday night at 8 p.m. If you're wanting to join but having connection problems, fill out that connection card online. Let us know because we will have somebody walk you through those connection issues and struggles that you might be having because we want as many people as possible to join together. We joined together about an hour together. We, there was scripture, there was prayer, there were some prayer requests and different folks that we could pray for in, in certain situations. And so join us for that time on Thursday. Groups will be happening again this week. Again, they will be hap happening through video conferencing. And, and so I encourage you to be reading, like Brett said, the e-news. Stay connected and, and, and reading that and getting information from there and then reaching out to us as well. And, you know, I believe solidly that it's so important for us to maintain a sense of humor in the midst of all of this and, and tasteful humor, of course. Um, but but it's, at times you just have to laugh at some of the things. M my brother is a youth pastor in Regina, and he connected in a Zoom conference call this past week with some other youth workers in the city. And, and, and if we go to the next picture now, you're going to see actually, see where the little circle is? You can go to that next picture. There, there you see um, one of the individuals, their head stayed in that position. They just, the whole conference for over an hour, all they saw was the top of the head of that person, and, and he sent that to me, and I just thought, that is so funny, just as we try to maneuver through, through technology. Um, and, and, and then there's just a lot of funny stuff circulating on social media, too, like this one about pastors. And uh, take a look, pastors in 2010, Facebook is from the devil. And then in 2020, follow our live services, you know, and, and all of a sudden things we detested. Now it's like, okay, we're, we're needing this and appreciating this kind of a thing. Or, or, or I like this here for, for parents um, when it comes to, to homeschooling and teaching your kids. If we go on to that next one, um, many parents are just about to discover the teacher was not the problem. And I saw that. I thought that is, is quite funny because, uh, yeah, anyways, I don't need to say any more than that. But this one probably for the last week and a half at least has made me laugh every time I've seen it. And uh, so far it is my favorite one. It's a little video. Let's take a look at it now. Because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined, but you have a choice. Do you, A, quarantine with your wife and child, or B? B. <laughs> B. Oh, I, I, I just really appreciate that one. That is just some good humor there. Um, and, and, and I think at times in the midst of all of this, we just need a good laugh from time to time. But you know, in the midst of our world being turned upside down, I believe that this is a wake-up call for the church of Jesus Christ. A, a warning and, and a reminder that we are living in the end times. We are seeing an acceleration of Bible prophecy happening right before our eyes. And, and it, it's an exciting time to be alive, but it is also a time to be alert and awake. It is a time that we must, as the church of Jesus Christ, we must examine our lives. And today, if you are not part of the body of Christ, it is time that you evaluate where you stand with God. These are important days. 
And we can't allow our, allow our hearts to become hard or callous toward the things that are happening and seeing that if the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God is moving in our hearts, we, we need to respond, we need to obey, we need to repent, we need to get before Him. And I pray that this would be a time of evaluation and, and realignment to, to what really, it truly matters and commit ourselves first and foremost to God in a new way, in a fresh way, but also commit ourselves to the body of Christ, to the mission of God. That is primary for the role of the believer in Christ. And we have made things so muddled and we have, have gone in so many different directions and we worry and are concerned and are obsessed with things that in the end really don't matter. And as believers in Christ, there is the main thing, is the main thing, is the mission that God has called us to be a part of as his followers. And so this is an important time. It is a call for those of you who have drifted away from the Lord, and some of you are watching right now, and you've drifted away, and, and you, you're a prodigal. It's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come back to God. It's time to, to, to get near to Him and experience His love, His grace, His forgiveness, and, and to be part of a church. And if you're in the Kelowna area, of course, we would want you to be a part of Hope Kelowna, and, and so we can walk with you, love, love and care for you, and, and walk alongside of you in this. And for those of you who don't know Jesus Christ personally, you have never made a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ and to have a personal relationship with God the Father. It is the most important decision you can make, and you can even make that decision today. It's life-altering. It's eternity-changing. And so it is of utmost importance. And it is my hope and it is my prayer that as we, we go through this season that, that God would change and he would grow our hearts. And in the coming weeks as, as we even prepare to mobilize and serve the needs that are around us that, that will probably be coming from, from the experts and those who are saying there are going to be opportunities for the church, for, for people to stand up and to serve in our community in different ways. And, and, uh, and, and even then once as our community, our region recovers and, and we reemerge, I guess, from our cocoons, uh, I guess you could say that, that, again, there's opportunities to serve in the body of Christ, that, that, that through this we would be sharper and have a greater vision of God's call and purpose for our lives. And oh, would we make sure that we're taking time to connect with God in a deeper way. Again, in our e-news, there's resources and links for you to be able to spend time learning and growing in the Word of God, in, in areas of the, that can challenge you and grow you, and even good forms of, of, of entertainment that, that you can download, that you can stream, that you can watch. So important to do that. And oh, that we would take time to connect with God, but also would we run towards biblical community, not away from it. Please do not isolate yourself. This is a time that you need to pursue biblical Christian community all the more. And, and our groups are resuming this week. And so that all will be happening virtually. And, and again, we want as many of you to be a part of that. You can sign up in, on the connection card on the website to be part of a group. If you're not part of one, we would love to have you a part of it. And you know, it's, it's quite amazing when you think about it, though, that if we were to go back, do a rewind to three, four weeks ago, when you start to think about some of the things that we were stressed about and pressured about, and no longer are those issues. They're just not that big of a deal anymore. Now, now there's new stresses and, and new concerns that have emerged, but 
A lot of those things that three, four weeks ago we were just battling and struggling and not knowing what to do, they just don't matter anymore. And some of that is true in the life of our church. A few weeks ago, our, our leadership met, met together, the staff and, 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 and elders and our spouses, we met together, and, and as we met and we did some planning and some prayer, there was an, an overall concern and, and a commitment out of that meeting to pray, to pray for our church and to pray for our leaders and, and those who serve and, and, and to pray in some specific ways because one of the areas of concern and one of the things that was stressing and, and causing us, you know, what are we going to do about this was the area of those who serve in, in our ministries that we're starting to see some that are, are perhaps starting to burn out and, and, and they're running hard and they're running faithfully and, and, and some others are losing the joy in, in serving the Lord in, in ministry. We have some folks who serve faithfully every week in various areas of ministry and areas of responsibility, in, including some in our hospitality and our Hope Kids, some who rarely ever, ever get to sit in a morning worship service. One of our Hope Kids workers hasn't been in a Sunday morning service since, since September because she has been filling in for others and, and serving in that capacity. And, and folks, this ought not to be in the body of Christ. And, and as leaders, our, our concern is for longevity and, and for a joy and, and our service to be something that, that, that is a blessing to others and also and a blessing that we experience and, and not burnout or bitterness. And so as leaders, at times we can be saddened and concerned even as we discuss and as we look about those who don't serve at all. Um, people who are committed to attend on a Sunday morning but, but don't shoulder the load in, in any form or capacity throughout weeks or months. And sadly, it's easy for us in North America. And this is why this reset button is so important, folks. It's so easy for us to settle for an unbiblical mindset that the church is an event that we show up to once a week with no or very little commitment. It's to be a body that we belong to. And, and God's word says we are all part of the body. We are all members of the body. We all have a role to play. And sometimes this mindset can set in, like, I've done my part, I, I, I've done my time. And, and yes, there are seasons where rest and a break is needed, that, that is for sure. But sometimes those seasons can become months and years and even decades. Well, it's safe to say that many of our ministries, leaders and, and faithful servants are getting a break now. Our worship band and technical people continue to keep serving. But some are getting a good rest, and, and that's good. And, and what do we do about it? I mean, we've got this break now, which is kind of unique to us, but we as pastors, we, we can usually guilt people if we want pretty good into serving. But you know what? One thing I found over the years, guilt does get you immediate and quick results, but rarely does guilt result in a transformed heart or joyful service. And we want to, to be able to serve alongside of one another with a joyful, thankful passion for the Lord and excitement for what we get to do. And as we submit ourselves to God, as we submit ourselves to His Word and allowing His Word to have authority and in our lives and we respond in obedience 
I believe we can see a healthy reset happen and to see us get ready to serve needs locally in our community as well as in the church in the weeks and months ahead, whatever that might look like. The text we are looking at is John chapter 13, and Jesus is addressing the very subject of serving, of serving others and, and what that looks like. And today, the topic is the power of the towel, or, or really, in, in essence, true greatness. And, and the first thing we see here in the power of the towel or, or true greatness is that it is displayed in Jesus. And, and here we have Jesus hours away from the cross, hours away from the mock trials, from persecution, from getting beaten, a crown of thorns, and here he is with his disciples. So, so I'm going to start at verse 1. And it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's brother, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He, said, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So here we have Jesus in the upper room, celebrating the Passover with his disciples. His time was coming to an end. The time had come for him to depart the world. He's hours away from the cross. Now, now throughout the history of the world and, and, and in the last number of hundreds, last few hundreds of years, I guess you could say, there's been many famous paintings of the Last Supper. Take, take for example, this one by da Vinci, one of the most famous pictures of the Last Supper. Artistically beautiful. And, and, and the different aspects that the, that the artist here has captured. And so it's so beautifully artistically, but not at all accurate. You see, Jesus and his disciples would have not have been sitting at a table, but they would have been reclining at a very low table, a table that was very low to the ground. Kind of how, you know, on a nice beach day when you're at the park and you have a blanket and, and there's food, there's pizza, there's chicken wings, there's potato salad, <laughs> egg salad sandwiches, whatever it is on that table or on that blanket. And, and, and you kind of are, you know, are, are laying on your side and you're kind of propped up with your elbow and with one hand you're eating. And, and, and so the disciples would have been around a table reclining at this table side by side. And so here they are reclining at this table and there's something not right. There's dirty and smelly feet. And, and, and as they're, they're eating, I'm sure they're wondering, okay, did somebody have some sharp cheese or something like that? Like, wow, what reeks. Anyways, dirty feet were a bit of a problem uh, back then, and you know, just like dirty feet can be a bit of a problem now too, right? Isn't that correct? I mean, even take the cutest little baby, a uh, few months old, you rip off their sock or you, you take their foot out of the sleeper and you smell their feet and you're like, whoo-wee, does that ever reek? 
or kids, you know, like you come home and, and uh, you know, kids, your dad comes home from work and, and it's just like, whoa, what stinks? And, you know, and, and, and mom goes, Kevin, or I mean, not Kevin, not that I'm picking on anyone in particular, but, you know, like, oh man, you need to be putting your boots outside, your work boots stink. And so just like then, just like today, stinky feet can be a bit of a problem. I think of just um, one time recently, we had some guests come from another province, and I trust they're not watching, but uh, they, they were going to, to stay the night with us as they were taking off the next day for, uh, for the coast, I believe. And, and, and as we were visiting with them uh, in our main kind of kitchen, uh, kitchen area, there was this smell this odor that was just like, just filling the room and it wasn't pleasant. And I mean, Charlotte's giving me the look like, you know, and I'm like, well, not, not me, it's not me. And, you know, I'm looking at Nate thinking like, oh man, like what is that? And, and, and soon we're kind of texting back and forth as a family, at least I think Nate and I were texting. And, and, and it was, the smell was so bad. Thankfully, I was able to go by our dining room table and open a window and I was able to kind of sit on the ledge and enjoy some fresh air while the room was rather stinky. And, and, and we're just like, man, what is that? And Thankfully, it was a Saturday night, and Saturday nights I go to bed pretty early, and that night I went to bed extra early, probably like 7.30, well, maybe not quite 7.30, well, 7.45, but before I went to bed, I, I went down to the main entranceway, and I'm like, okay, is it, is it the boots? Is it like the shoes they're wearing? And sure enough, it was these blunt stone boots that were at our front door that was like, oh, man, is that ever bad? Well, here in this story, stinky feet was a problem. Stinky and dirty feet was a problem. And so you have the disciples, you have Jesus, you have a water basin, you have a towel, and you have a lot of pairs of stinky men feet. Now, foot washing was a job that was reserved for the lowest of the low when it came to servants. You see, a peer would never wash another peer's feet. A host would never wash their guests' feet. I mean, you just wouldn't do that. You would have a servant, and, and, and even of that, it would be a servant or a slave that was of kind of the lowest grade. I mean, it was just not a great job to have to do. But here you have Jesus who gets up and washes the disciples' feet. Never would you ever consider or even fathom a superior stooping down low to wash in an inferior person's feet. Never would a rabbi, a teacher, wash the feet of his disciples. But Jesus did. Jesus did so willingly. Here we have the creator of the universe, God in the flesh, hours away from facing excruciating torture and death, washing the feet of his proud and arrogant, sinful disciples. This is so amazing. This is just astounding that Jesus would do such a thing like this, such humility, such servanthood. And here we see the power of the towel, true greatness being demonstrated by Jesus. And, and, and notice that Jesus did it quietly. There was no fanfare to it. They were already eating. I mean, the, the meal had been progressing, and this was always done at the start of the meal, and, and, and you have them already eating, and Jesus gets up, there's no fanfare, like I said. I mean, he was not like, well, fine then. 
Seeing you guys won't wash anyone else's feet, fine, I'll do it. <sighs> I guess that's what you do these days now. And, you know, he, there was no guilt. There was no fanfare, no kind of, you know, he didn't get down and, and start scrubbing their feet, you know, pull out a steel wool kind of, you know, sponge kind of, you know, and, and start scrubbing their feet in that way. Not at all. In fact, this was a gentle and a personal and an intimate time for Jesus as he washed his disciples' feet. And here we see the beautiful heart of the Savior. True greatness is displayed in Jesus through the power of the towel. Second of all, we see that true greatness is often misunderstood by Jesus' followers then and Jesus' followers today. You see, in the upper room that night, um, we don't see this in the book of John so much in John's gospel, but we see that in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 22, there was this underlining tension that was taking place there that night. There was, it says in verse 24, it says there was a dispute or a quarrel. And, and our translations in English, it, dispute and quarrel, I mean, those are pretty soft words compared to the meaning in the original Greek. You see, what was actually going on there that, that was truly taking place was not a nice little cordial conversation or an argument. Instead, this would have been loud voices raised up to, to be able to out-talk and out, out-power the next person. It's kind of like, I don't care who's listening. I'm going to get my point across, and I'm going to... And they're arguing, and they're fighting, and what was their dispute over? It was over power. It was over position. It would be over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They were arguing over cabinet positions. They were, they were arguing and fighting over their own dignity, their own honor, their own wealth, kind of... Uh, self-worth and, and, and their own self-evaluation. They're promoting themselves. The disciples saw that true greatness, true, true greatness was found in power, in having titles, in having a position. That's the way they were wired. That's the way they were thinking. But Jesus reveals that true greatness is found in washing another person's feet. Look at in verse 6. As we continue reading, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you is clean, for he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. And here we see two disciples who totally messed it up, who were totally confused. In fact, all 12 of them were, but we're going to concentrate on looking at two of the disciples of Jesus who totally missed what Jesus was doing here this day. In the first one, we see Peter. We see Peter protesting. And, and, and no doubt, as Jesus is coming to him, he's embarrassed, he's ashamed, because he knows this isn't right for the rabbi, for the master, for the son of God to be washing their feet. 
And so he says in verse 8, he says, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus tells him, I must, I have to, or you have no share with me in the kingdom. And I just love Peter. He just lives so, so out there, just, just such an extrovert, and he says what's there, and then he says, well, then wash all of me then. Just don't wash my feet, wash all of me. But you see, there's a deeper meaning to what is going on here in the foot washing. This isn't just cleaning up some dirty, stinky feet. The foot washing that Jesus was performing on his disciples pointed to something greater, something more. Jesus was showing something he, and, and declaring to his disciples, I'm going to wash your feet, but I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to go to the cross. And that is the way you will be fully and truly cleaned. And what was true for Peter and the disciples is true for us. We need to be washed. We need to be cleansed by Jesus if we are going to have any part of a relationship with God, if we're going to have any hope of eternity in heaven. If we are, are truly saved, we need to be washed. We need to be cleansed. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven. No one has relationship with the Father. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus, and it comes through cleansing. And no matter how hard we try to clean up our lives, no matter how much good we try to do and, and try to make ourselves feel better or, or try to at least be better than that next person, we cannot wash or clean ourselves up enough to have a relationship with God. It can only happen through Jesus. Write down Titus chapter 3, and you're going to see this verse on the screen because Titus gives us a further and a greater understanding of this washing. Look at in verse 4 of Titus 3. It says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he's talking about Jesus there, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, not by our good works, but according to his mercies. In other words, he's saying we can't save ourselves. We can't save ourselves by our good works or our good deeds. But instead, it goes on to say this, but by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Look at that, underline that in your Bibles. By the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit. You see, we must receive the humiliating act of Jesus on the cross in order to be spiritually cleansed. And this foot washing just shows the personal and intimate nature of Christ's love for us, his love for his disciples, his love for you today. And look at verse 10. After Peter says, wash all of me then, Jesus says to him, Peter, but Peter, you're already clean. Jesus was telling Peter, you're already saved. You already have a place in heaven. You are already one of my children. And, 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 and this happened to Peter by what Jesus had not yet done yet, but that would, he would soon do on the cross. You see, salvation had already been applied to Peter, just like many of the other Old Testament believers that we see, the Old Testament saints, because of their faith, it was real, it was genuine, and it was counted as righteousness, as we read in Romans chapter 4. And Jesus is telling Peter, hey, Peter, you don't need to be resaved. You don't need to be fully washed, but you need to be cleansed. And see, as believers in Christ, we need to be cleansed. 
First of all, we have the washing of rebirth, the washing that happens when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, but then we need ongoing cleansings and cleanings because we walk in a sinful world. We battle the world, the flesh, the devil in our own lives. We give in to sin and temptation. We become defiled by the filth and the junk of this world. We've already been bathed. We've already been justified, regenerated, reconciled, redeemed, but we also need to be cleansed. And today, as believers, we are, first and foremost, we are washed by an ongoing cleansing that takes place by regularly confessing our sins to God. 1 John 1, 9, for if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a daily prayer. That's a daily thing we need to be examining daily, sometimes many times throughout the day, asking God to forgive us for our sins, and he will forgive us, he will cleanse us. Or in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about being washed in the word, and there's a cleansing that takes place as we apply God's word to our lives, as we are obedient to his word, there's a cleansing that takes place. And so we need these ongoing daily cleansings as disciples, as followers of Christ. But initially, have you been cleansed? Have you been washed? And that can happen today if you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. This can happen to you as you respond in humility and admit and confess that you have sinned, you have fallen short of God's standard, which is perfection. Because God is perfect and that is his standard and none of us have lived up to that. But it's believing that Jesus came to this earth as God in the flesh, lived a life that you and I could not live. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And he then died on the cross as our substitute, died in our place. He suffered and died taking the punishment that we deserve. He bore the wrath of God that once again was coming our way. And then he rose three days later, conquering sin and death. And when a person understands the extent of that love and we respond in humility and repentance and we are ready to turn from our sin, from our agenda, turn from our way and say, God, I want to follow your way. I want to follow your word. We are cleansed. And you can be cleansed today. You can be forgiven of your sins, past, present, future. You can be made right with God today by crying out to him. Maybe today you know Jesus, but you've allowed a lot of dirt and dust to collect in your life. Greed, pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, sexual sin, secret or maybe not so secretive sin. You've allowed these things into your life and because of that there is a dirty, dirtiness and a, a filth and that does affect your relationship with God and you need a cleansing you can receive that cleansing today by faith as you confess your sin, as you desire to turn from that with a broken heart. A broken and a contrite heart, God will not deny. Now, if we take a look at verse 10, look what Jesus says. And this is sobering. And he says, but not every one of you is clean. For he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not every one of you are clean. Jesus was talking now about Judas. Judas, he misunderstood so much. And Judas, he had a hard heart. He was spiritually dead. Judas 
Essentially, he was never saved. He was there along for the ride. He had been with Jesus and the other disciples for three and a half years, witnessed and participated in incredible miracles and saw the power of God on the life of Jesus. But he just simply looked and sounded the part, but he had a, didn't have a surrendered heart. He had a hard heart. And even today, it is possible to have the look of a disciple, a follower of Christ, to be in church, to serve, to give money, to attend studies, and yet have a Judas heart. A Judas who betrayed Jesus with a kiss and for 30 pieces of silver, silver, basically a couple hundred bucks. And you see, a Judas kiss can easily happen today by people who look the part, have the externals, but inside nothing has been changed. They haven't been washed. They haven't been cleansed. They haven't been redeemed. They've never surrendered their lives. Greed filled Judas's heart. He enjoyed being there in the in crowd. He enjoyed the popularity, but his heart was hard. And a person can sing enthusiastically in worship all the while trampling the gospel by word or by deed following that worship service. That kind of thing is a Judas kiss. Yet Jesus, look what he did. He loved and he served all of his disciples. His offer of grace and forgiveness was there for Judas. Jesus would have so easily and quickly restored Judas back into fellowship and relationship with him, just like he did Peter, who denied Jesus a little later on that night. But later on, after the resurrection, Jesus had that talk on the beach with Peter and restored him, forgave him, loved on him. But Judas took his life. Judas could have received that mercy today. You can receive his mercy and his grace today. And the third aspect we see here, the power of the towel about true greatness, it results in truly a blessed life. Look, look at verse 12. It says, when he had finished, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, some churches... Um, as tradition or as a ceremony, regularly perform foot washing ceremonies. I've been a part of some foot washing ceremonies in the past, and, 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 and usually it's to emphasize or exemplify servanthood. They can be beautifully meaningful, yet relatively uncomfortable ceremonies. Now, now at Hope Bible Church here, we don't practice foot washing ceremonies because big reason is we just don't see it practiced in the New Testament. We don't see it as something that the early church continued to do. When Jesus said, and we believe this, that when he said, you ought to wash one another's feet, this was a call to take up the practical needs and serve in the lowest and the lowliest of positions within the church, within the body of Christ, wherever we go. 
It's ready to take on whatever task or need comes our way. This is a call that Jesus is making to his disciples of true humility and selflessness, and not simply just to a ceremony. And Jesus puts the call out to his disciples then, and he puts his same call out to his disciples today to love selflessly, to love with humility in the most menial, simple tasks that come our way. That might be in the home. Kids, are you listening? Your role is to be a servant. Moms and dads, spouses, in the home, in the workplace, in our communities, in the church, we are to serve one another. You see, so oftentimes our service, our washing of others' feet, especially the low-down positions or what we might think is a low-down position, we don't like to do. And, and so oftentimes we'll serve if we feel like it or if it fits our schedule or if it kind of suits my giftings or my abilities or my interests or something I'd like to learn or, or if it'll make me feel good or if others will see, then we'll serve. But Jesus tells us where true greatness is found, it's in picking up the towel. And you know, I'm so thankful here at, at Hope Bible Church that we have many people who have this attitude. We have many people who I know I can turn to in a pinch and basically say, hey, can you just stop what you're doing right now and go over there and help and assist or clean up that that thing or that area or come alongside that person, whether it be a physical or emotional or spiritual need, and people who will do it willingly and joyfully. People who don't see any task as above them, just like Jesus. And my prayer is, though, that there would be many more that would capture this heart, that this heart would grow in our own lives, in our families, and in our church, that the power of the towel would be a growing, deep conviction in all of us, not because we have to, but because in response of all that our Savior has done for us, that we would emerge in the days and the weeks ahead whenever we're allowed to and and whenever there's opportunity, that we would emerge stronger, more committed, more thankful and joyful as we serve the Lord. And that can start today in the home. It can start in our neighborhoods. It can start wherever we see needs arise for those of you that are continuing to, to work, to be a servant at your workplace. There's going to be opportunities, and you'll see that in the connection card as far as being part of a COVID-19 response team. We want to have people who are ready and committed to, to do whatever is necessary as needs arise within the church or in our neighborhoods or in our city. You can go on the website. You can commit to serving online. I encourage you to do that. And that as we reemerge from this crisis, that, that there would be a new set of faithful recruits ready to go, and those who are tired and weary will have found some rest. But look at how verse 17 ends. Look at what Jesus says. Now, look at this, the very last part. He says, now that you know all of this, basically in summary, he, he says, you will be blessed. Underline that word blessed if you do them. Jesus is promising a blessing for his disciples. He can and will Listen to this. He can and he will dump the blessings of heaven upon the life of a person who lovingly, sacrificially, unselfishly, humbly serves others. 
when it's done without the thought of personal gain or fortune or fulfillment, but to the glory of God. Now, our flesh is going to fight against this. Our flesh isn't going to like this very much because our culture tells us the total opposite, that, that we are here to be served. But Jesus says, the power of the towel, this is your best life. I'm going to ask the band to come as we are going to worship in just a moment, but you see, when we have this heart and this attitude, this heart and this attitude of Jesus, when we take the low place and we are living and seeking God's glory, not our own, we will walk away from these different opportunities that we have to serve in the body of Christ. You'll walk away six inches off the ground. That's the afterglow of the Holy Spirit upon the life of a servant. And you will feel right because it is right. And there's no feeling in life like that. Jesus demonstrated true greatness when he picked up a towel. And he demonstrated that he was Lord, that he was Messiah as he went to the cross. And even now as we worship our great and our wonderful Savior together, would we worship with thankfulness and adoration for all that he has done for us. Let's pray together. You know, the definition of a servant is one who lives to make his life better for another. And Jesus, we come to you and you did that in such an amazing way that you came and lived this life here on this earth so that you could make our lives here so much better and our eternity out of this world. And Jesus, we have worshiped you and we also now ask that you would work in us and through us. As we worship you, would it ignite and start a fire of just gladness and passion to be able to serve you and to give of ourselves you set the ultimate example in that way. And the challenge from your word today, it's so contrary to the world. Would your word and your truth ring louder than anything the world would say, anything that our flesh would say? Our flesh will resist this, but your Holy Spirit will encourage us. And so we pray that you would strengthen and you would empower, that we would have these willing hearts starting today to serve, to give of ourselves and set the example of picking up the towel. God, I pray for the person who has not yet been washed or cleansed in the ultimate cleansing, that they would find you, they would receive that cleansing today. They would call out to you as Savior and Lord and run to you for their cleansing, for their salvation. And God, we pray then for the rest of us that we would continue to live daily, keeping short accounts, being cleansed and washed in the filth, the dirt of this world that collects. And together we would serve, picking up the towel, serving our families, serving our communities, our neighborhood in this time, honoring those around us in ways that we can with a servant's heart. And ultimately, God, 
for the church of Jesus Christ? Would this be its finest hours as we take on the role of a servant and show your love to those in our world? We just pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.